What is going on, y'all? Welcome into a late night episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the flagship podcast for LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, coming to you late at night here on Friday, October 18, 2019, or I guess in the morning if you're listening to it on Saturday or Sunday, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Welcome into the show. This is the post-game recap show after Ohio State absolutely demolished Northwestern 52-3 to to move to 7-0 on the season. We have a lot to talk about on the show tonight and a lot of just really, really great things and really happy things to talk about when it comes to what we saw from Ohio State tonight, but not just that. The, the thing that I have written down and the responses that we got at Holy Land Pod on Twitter, and really what's going to be the focus of this episode, I think, is just how much fun this team is. And that was on perfect display tonight, because even though there was a first quarter where it was only 7-3 to three and it looked like Northwestern, maybe they weren't going to keep it close, but it looked like they had a, a good game plan. They were moving the ball a little bit on the ground. They were forcing Ohio State into some third and longs, and, and Justin Fields made some great plays, which we'll talk about. But it seemed like early on, Northwestern kind of had a good idea of what they wanted to do on each side of the ball. But then things just snowballed, and Ohio State pulled away in this one and did basically whatever they wanted. And they did what we've seen all season. And that's just when they know they're better than a team, when they know that they're more prepared and better coached, they come into the game and they don't look tight. They don't look how they've they've looked for the most of the last two or three years where this game in the past, like we talked about on the preview podcast, which our friend, by the way, Daniel Olinger of Inside NU, I think he nailed. I think he called 52-3 to in this one. So shout out to Daniel. He was right on the money on that one. He deserves his props. But this is a game where previous Ohio State teams would have maybe come out a little bit tight. And what's interesting is the last two weeks, we've seen defenses have varying degrees of success. And by two weeks, I mean the last two games against Northwestern and Michigan State. We've seen defenses have varying degrees of success against them, of being able to put them in third and long, being able to stop the run a little bit. And I think in a lot of our minds, in the back of it, it's like, oh man, what what are they going to do? And in the second quarter, they have done what they've they did what they've done all season, and they adjusted. And I think now they've uh, they've outscored opponents in the second quarter, 155 to 20, through seven games so far this season, which is just absolutely absurd. And that plays a big role into not playing the way they have the past couple of seasons and playing these close games. But I think a lot of it too, which is what we saw tonight, is just how loose this team is right now. And maybe that'll change when the games get a little bit tighter, especially next week against Wisconsin. But as of right now, this team just looks like they're enjoying playing. They look like they know what they're doing on each side of the ball. And it's just, it's very refreshing because we we know that they're more talented than pretty much every team they play. Even if they get into a playoff situation Hell, there's only Clemson and Alabama that are there with them in terms of just raw talent. But now this season, it feels like the mentality is there too. They they know that they're very good, but they also 
aren't, for whatever reason, and I think anybody who's listened to this podcast for any amount of time knows why why I think they aren't playing tight, and I'm sure you can guess, and we don't need to have that discussion tonight or even this season until it's over and we see how things finish, but we know why this team isn't playing tight, and I, I really think that Ryan Day and his staff have just done a tremendous job, not only scheme-wise, but mentality-wise, of not completely changing the culture from what it was, but making a couple of key tweaks into the mentality of how this team approaches games and what they do, because it, it just looks like a totally different group. The confidence level is up. They're able to take a punch and withstand that and come back and continue working and getting to a point where they can just dominate an opponent. And it's not sheerly based off of talent, which is great to see. This team just looks like they know how to play together. They're having fun and they're loose. And that's, I think, a perfect combination for what Ryan Day's Ohio State, what peak Ryan Day Ohio State is going to look like. And as of right now, we're seeing it. And and that doesn't mean there aren't things to clean up, which is the, the scary part, is that they can get better in a couple of different areas. But to me, that that's the main thing that stands out from this game, is just how much fun this team is to watch and how much fun it looks like they're having playing together and how loose they are. This They don't look tight. They don't look like they're they're waiting for that other shoe to drop or like, like it was on the intro to the broadcast, like, oh, Ohio State has played these type of games before. We've seen what happens. And, you know, there was just none of that today. There's been none of that this season. And quite honestly, when you look at the schedule, uh, I, I feel like we've, we've at, le- at the very least, you know, they might lose a game. They could lose to Wisconsin or Penn State or Michigan on the road. But I think we officially have move past the marker of like, what is this year's Iowa game? What is this year's Purdue game? There's only two more road games left on the schedule and, and one is against Rutgers. So that, that's not going to happen. And a home game versus Maryland. And you would assume that barring any sort of Georgia type shenanigans, that won't happen either. But they have navigated that pitfall this season. That isn't something that's going to happen. And I, I think that that's a mentality thing. And I think Ryan Day and his staff deserve a lot of credit, not only just for that, but uh, Chase Young was was talking post-game too with Bruce Feldman, and Bruce was asking him about, you know, what what's so different with this defense this year? Why have you guys been able to shift and become one of the best units in the country? And immediately, right away, he just said Coach Halfley and Coach Madison. He, they both have done a, such a spectacular job in just turning around and turning not turning, but um, shifting the way that these players think and their mentalities to where even the broadcasters for in almost every single game have been saying it like, these guys aren't thinking. They're just playing and they're attacking. And when you have this sort of talent and this sort of smarts on defense across the board, uh, that's when your defense is going to be at its best. So I think that that all ties into each other. So that, that's how I wanted to start the show. And I, I don't want to belabor that point and, or just drive it into the ground. But that's really how I'm feeling after this win is like, Ohio State did what they had to do. They did what they were expected to do. But this time and, and this year, it's really fun. And it's, it's fun to review these games. And it's fun to talk about them with you guys because we're watching what this team should look like. 
with this sort of talent. So with that in mind, let's get to the nitty gritty of this game and why it was so much fun. And just off the bat, like the discussion of uh, Friday night games, that added like a little bit of an atmosphere to it in Evanston. The the crowd never really got a chance to get into it, but I think it did add a little bit of a layer for Ohio State of like, okay, we're we're going into this different situation on on a Friday night on the road. We're obviously going to get Northwestern's best punch. We, we talked about in the preview how good uh, Northwestern's defense is. Two weeks in a row, you're facing two, I think, legitimate top five to seven defenses. And two weeks in a row, the offense just shreds them. And, and right from the start, uh, Ohio State gets the ball, has a really nice first drive. They converted two third and longs. Uh, Justin Fields had the scramble, and there was the Interesting call on, I think it was a third and eight with J.K. Dobbins on a run. He powered through a couple guys, got it. That was a nice little wrinkle from Ryan Day there. And then you had a couple of completions to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, and then a great play design to get Olave wide open for a touchdown. So right off the bat, you just eliminated all of those thoughts of like, oh, is this going to be a game where Ohio State comes out flat? Nope, not at all. They were able to move the ball down the field, had some great play design, got the ball to their playmakers, and immediately got up 7-0. And even though this first quarter was was a bit up and down, I think the first quarter ended 7-3, to and Northwestern had a pretty decent drive where they moved the ball down the field on some run plays, which we'll, we'll talk about here in a little bit, and why uh, Baron Browning, really hoping he's healthy for that Wisconsin game. Uh, we would need him in the middle of that defense because Northwestern was able to have a bit of success uh, at the start of the game, running the ball up the middle. They kicked that field goal and first quarter ended seven to three. But even after that, Ohio State was kind of able to take that mini jab and punch back. And uh, they had the, the key play to me in this whole game was the third and 15 completion from fields where he scrambled around at the end of the first quarter. I think it was the final play of the first quarter. It looked like Northwestern had a little bit of momentum built up. They had stuffed them the first two plays. They had them in this really bad situation. And then Justin Fields scrambles around, makes a play, gets a first down through the air. And then after that, they converted another third and I think seven. And then there was the really cool uh, like St. Louis Rams, Marshall Falk, um, I don't even know, like a Texas route, I think is like the actual name for it. But whatever that angle route is with the running back, J.K. Dobbins, we haven't seen a lot of that from him in his time at Ohio State. But that was another very cool wrinkle from Ryan Day with this offense. And Dobbins just exploited the middle of the field. Fields hit him perfectly in stride. Nice little window in the middle of the field for him. And at that point, it's 14-3. And the game really just snowballed from there because Northwestern reverted to what they've been offensively for the whole season where there was just not really being successful at anything. And Ohio State, even though they struggled to run efficiently for most of the game, which I think was a big reason why there was a lot of those third and seven or longers at the start of the game. I think there were six in the first half, which is a little bit worrisome. But they, after that point, were able to get consistent yardage on the ground. J.K. Dobbins had the 65-yard run that really opened things up. And like I referenced earlier with the, the second quarter scoring, 
they they did it again. They made adjustments and they just stuck to what they were doing as well. And they just they were able to really run Northwestern over. I think uh, um, I got to give credit to eleven Warriors Dan Hope who had the stat that said that was Ohio State's sixth straight second quarter with 21 plus points. So it's a thing now. Like that just can't be an aberration that Ohio State scores a bunch of points in the second quarter. Ryan Day and that offensive staff deserve a lot of credit for being able to see what's happening and what the defense is doing, how they're attacking them, and they're able to adjust to it and counterpunch and figure out what to do to make this offense so successful because they've just been wonderful in these second quarters. And a lot of that, I think, is due to the offensive line. The line played a lot better as this game went on. It was a little worrisome at the start because Justin Fields was under some pressure. And I think that that gives me a bit of pause when thinking about the Wisconsin game next week. But even they were able to rebound from that and keep Fields safe for most of the game as that second quarter went on. They were able to open some running lanes for Dobbins, who had another very nice day. I think he crept into the top five all-time in rushing, which is insane at Ohio State. So congratulations to him. That's very cool. Hopefully, he'll probably get up to second at the end of this year if he keeps rolling the way he is. But the the offense was able to adjust once again, and that's why they're having all of this success in these second quarters. And it's really just a, a team effort because Justin Fields keeps saying it week after week of just ways that I'm impressed by him and this week, it was the zip on his throws. You know, when you talk about college quarterbacks, a lot of, not a lot of them, but with the way that offense is played nowadays in college, you want to get your quarterback easy completions, whether it's with those pop passes, screens, uh, man beaters over the middle, crossing routes, crossing routes, which is a staple with Ryan Day, as we've seen. But some of the throws that Justin Fields was making tonight outside the hash, you don't see a lot of quarterbacks doing that. And he's still raw in certain areas, but there were throws on the sideline to Chris Olave that you you could almost hear through the TV broadcast have zip on him. And it's not it's not just that either. It's the rollout touchdown he had to Olave that on the run throws it just with perfect touch over a defender, uh, leaves Olave with enough room to get at least one foot in. I think he got two in, but it, it was right there for him. It was on the money. And then later on hits Austin Mack down the left side of the sideline. Once again, over a defender. Uh, I think, is it Brock Heward or Damon Heward? Brock Heward talked about, they showed like the all 22 look. It was this route combo that to the naked eye, it didn't leave a lot of room. To, to get the ball over. Not a lot of quarterbacks, not a lot of college quarterbacks can make that throw, but Fields, in addition to that zip he has, has a, he's got some pretty nice touch too, and he, he lofted it over the defender, and Mack was able to take it into the end zone. So it was just a, another very well-rounded performance from Justin Fields, and it, it wasn't anything ridiculously crazy looking at the box score, 18 of 23 for 194 yards, Four touchdowns, no interceptions. I'd say not ridiculously crazy, but I mean, that that is comparable to other quarterbacks. Over eight yards per attempt. And the, the thing that's important, too, when talking about this game to remember, 
like these numbers are great. And I'm sure a lot of people will look at this and say, oh, well, Northwestern's one in five. Like, of course, Ohio State should beat them by 49 points. They should always tear Northwestern up. Totally agree. Despite Northwestern's bad record, this is a great defense. Like, they're, they're a legitimately top five good level defense. And that was the one thing I was worried about is, okay, this this may be a game where you know, Northwestern just can't do anything. Ohio State leverages field position, and that's how they score their points. And, then, and there was some of that, but you saw it with the first touchdown drive. 11 plays, 70 yards. They were able to convert third and longs. They were able to get the ball out to their playmakers out wide, and they, they really just did that all game. And the efficiency wasn't quite what I wanted it to be, but you know what? You got to give credit to Northwestern because I didn't think they played a terrible game for losing 52 to 3. I don't think their defense was like awful. That's just how good Ohio State's offense is. So that that's just stuff that uh, week by week there are things in this passing game with these receivers and with Justin Fields that impress me. And the receivers deserve credit too. Chris Olave continues like we've talked about on the show before, five catches, 60 yards, two touchdowns. That is the Chris Olave special. He's not going to throw up 178 yards, but he is going to make the most out of the opportunities that he gets, and he did that. Austin Mack, I think a lot of his damage was done early in the second half or maybe late in the second quarter, but four catches, 50 yards, nice touchdown. J.K. Dobbins had the touchdown. Garrett Wilson only had three catches for 28 yards, but he looks very polished. That was something that was super obvious on the broadcast. And I know we keep saying it, but goddamn, he is going to be a problem going forward. Garrett Wilson and Justin Fields in 2020 are going to have quite the connection. And I already can't wait for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we're not even talking about KJ Hill. Two catches, 19 yards. Like This guy's going to be the leading receiver in Ohio State history. And you can get away with a 49-point win with him having two catches for 19 yards. So that's just the way that this offense is rolling right now. It, it's not just one guy. They're spreading the wealth around, and they're rolling. And when it comes to the running game, I, I thought it was fine. They had 279 total rushing yards. Uh, three of those are, are really big plays. The 53-yarder by Marcus Crowley late in the game. 73-yard touchdown from Master Teague. Love to see him keep rolling and getting carries. And then the 68 yarder from Dobbins, like I said earlier in the game. So I don't think the run game was too impressive or anything, but also going back to what Northwestern is good at, I think they deserve a lot of credit for being able to shut the run game down early and kudos to Day and company for not just dying on that hill and continuing to run the ball. I I think that they knew it wasn't going to be an easy day running and so they they got the ball out wide and that's where they had most of their success so that's I I don't think there's really too many big takeaways from the run game other than just like hey the offensive line got better as the game went on and uh, you saw once the blocking picked up the athletes took over and the running backs were able to find some holes have some success Going back to that second quarter stat they outscored Northwestern 24 to nothing in the second frame that's where they really just Really put it away. It was 31-3 at half. They were outgaining them. 7.2 yards per play to 2.7. They only gave up 90 yards at half. It felt like more, but it was only 90 once after that that first drive, and they kind of 
got their bearings and, and even not just talking offensively and defensively special teams outside of the, the kickoff that went out of bounds. Uh, Blake Hobiel had the 55 yard kick. I, I can't speak for all of you, but I, I know I didn't think Blake Hobiel had that in him and he just drilled that thing. That was really good to see. They haven't kicked a ton of field goals this season, but to know that that's a, a club that Blake Hobiel has in his bag, especially on a, on a wet field, at where they were playing tonight, that was good to know. Good to keep in the back of your brain that, that Blake Hobiel can do that. And then, of course, Drew Christman, even in a game where punting is not really necessary, uh, Christman has the punt that goes down to the one-yard line. So he continues to be spectacular in, in flip field position when they need him to be. And, and it's something we haven't talked about a lot because, like I said, they, they just haven't punted. But... They're probably going to need that in a big spot this season, whether it's the regular season or the postseason. At some point, Drew Chrisman is going to have to do that. And it's easy to forget that he is one of their most consistently good players when he's called upon because he's the punter and you don't want to call upon him that much. But Drew Chrisman, whenever they need him, always seems to come through. So nice to see that he's not rusty. He can continue to do that so even the little things right now for Ohio State it's not just the macro stuff it's not just they're running the ball well they aren't turning it over they're forcing turnovers they're getting after the passer they're creating big plays all that stuff's great but it's also the little things too that that they can count on Blake Hobiel to to hit a kick like that if they really need him to and they can count on the punter to flip field position if the offense isn't just totally steamrolling someone before I talk about the defense and what we saw from them, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from some sponsors, and then we'll get back to that. And I'll answer some of your questions and read some of your comments about tonight's game from at Holy Land Pot. So stay tuned right here on the Hangout in the Holy Land. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back into the show. We are talking Ohio State's 52-3 to win over Northwestern. The Buckeyes go to 7-0 and on the season. Ryan Day still undefeated as head coach at Ohio State. Ryan Day still just absolutely whooping up on teams. 2019 Ohio State outscoring teams like 50-8 to so far this season. Not a lot to complain about. Just a string of really great performances from Ohio State back to back to back. They're, they're starting to put together a, a strong resume. I've been pretty hesitant, at least compared to other people, when it comes to like, hey, this is the best team in the country. They can beat anyone. I still think that that jury's out for everyone, not just Ohio State. But now that we're seven games through the season, it's getting hard to argue that they're not, at the very least, one of the two or three best teams with what they've done on their resume and what they've done to some pretty good defenses uh, on the offensive front. I, I think that this team is, it's definitely more complete than we've seen from the previous four versions of Ohio state. So man, it's just different for me. It's different for the show. We've been so pessimistic 
here since 2016. So it's just it's very refreshing to be able to to talk about how much I am enjoying watching this team. And whether you've been that way or not, I hope that uh, that it's been as fun for you as it's been for me talking about it and listening to this team and watching them. But enough about me. Let's talk about the defense because once again they hold an opponent without a touchdown uh, under 10 points. That would make what? 10 or less, seven or six out of seven so far this season. Only the Florida Atlantic game where they scored 21. When it comes to this one, I, I honestly don't know what to make of it because Northwestern's offense is bad. They they are really bad. And outside of what I thought was a pretty solid game plan early on for them to move the ball, I, I just don't know what to take away. Like, I think they played great, and there were some individual players who, who really shined, but I also just watched Northwestern play offense, and I, I'm so disgusted. I'm so disgusted watching them play, and they, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't throw coming into the game. They could run all right. Uh, the, their quarterback play is, is just an absolute mess. I think their, their line's fine. They did the best they could against this defensive front, and they exploited the middle of Ohio State's defense, if you know what I mean. Um, but I, there's just I, this is a game where it's like, okay, just glad that nobody got injured. Or like I, off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody on the defense who got injured. And hopefully, Baron Browning is back for the Wisconsin game. That's that's really all there is to say about that. But defensively, there's just another another solid to great performance. They hold Northwestern probably to under like four yards. Per play, I'm not even looking at the box score on that, but I'm sure it was around that. Northwestern's listed as only having 42 passing yards, uh, six of 20 for Aiden Smith, 0 of one for Andrew Marty, and then there was the two interceptions later in the game. But yeah, if you hold if you hold the conference opponent to 42 yards passing in a game you beat them by 49, you're probably doing pretty good. And that's probably uh, if there is one area where I, I watched the defense tonight and came away blown away by it was uh the the pass rush plays a part in it but it was the secondary because Brock Heward kept referencing it on the broadcast when they would show replays of some of these Northwestern passes that there was there was just nowhere to go even when uh the the completed passes Sean Wade would be right there Jeff Okuda would be right there Damon Arnett would be right there 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 was really just no space for Northwestern to get the ball out wide or generate big plays. The coverage was so tight and they made everything just impossible for their receivers and quarterbacks to be able to get on the same page and complete passes. So despite Northwestern being very terrible throwing the ball and at that part of playing football, I still think that uh, when you dominate to that degree, a conference opponent, that's very impressive. So the whole secondary was great tonight. That also goes for the line. Uh, Chase Young had the had the early sack. It was a really light night for him. It felt like Northwestern, other than the sack where they inexplicably were just like, yeah, uh, whoever you are, right tackle. See what you can do with Chase Young here. See if you can face him one-on-one tonight. And then it was like, oh, nope, nope, that is not going to happen. We're going to need to chip with the tight end and probably a running back on him. Uh, Chase Young, did his thing like he always does. And then the rest of the line, Tyreek Smith, I thought, made a couple of plays. He had a really nice game. Jay Sean Cornell isn't putting up a lot of eye-popping stats, but he is quietly having a, a very strong season. And he's a kid that has done basically anything 
that the coaching staff has asked him to do the past four seasons. So it's nice to see him reaping the rewards of staying true to his grind and just doing his thing. And I think that he's a name that's probably going to pop up on like NFL draft radars closer when you get to like senior bowl or when that, when next year's draft comes around closer and people are going to be a little surprised, but under the radar, he's doing a lot of really great dirty work. And so if you ever get the chance to watch along that line, just watch and see what Jay Sean Cornell is doing, because I think it's a lot more important than uh, people realize my last defensive thought, which I referenced, I think, a second ago, was Baron Browning, please be healthy against Wisconsin because that is a much better offense. It is a much better offensive line, and they are really going to need linebackers to not over-pursue and to be exactly where they should be. Malik Harrison had a pretty good game, too. Um, I don't want to discount the linebackers as a whole because I thought Malik Harrison played well. He had a couple of really nice sticks. Uh, Pete Werner... I didn't think this really wasn't his type of game to shine. So I I don't think you can really have a strong takeaway about Werner's game, but Harrison played really well. And uh, Baron Browning, man, let's have prayer circle for him to be back from whatever that injury is. Ryan day hates talking about injuries. We never get specifics, but whatever that is uh, prayers up to you, buddy. They're really going to need Baron Browning next week in the, in the middle of that defense to help diagnose what Wisconsin does, because if he's not there, then it could get a little tricky with uh, with what Jonathan Taylor and that Wisconsin run game do. On the subject of Wisconsin, and this isn't for the defense, this is just a, an offensive thought. I, I talked about the third and longs a little bit earlier, and I know that the broadcast referenced that, that it was a thing and Northwestern couldn't get off the field and that Ohio State right now is the best third down team in the country. I, that's all well and good. If there is one thing that I'm concerned about, it's it is that that uh, they can't live on third and long for the rest of the season like they have been the last two weeks. I don't know if it was quite to the same degree against Michigan State, but how they played in the first half tonight with the third and 15, the third and seven, couple of third and nines where Fields would just have to scramble around backyard, make a play. I, I know I went on and on and on about how great Northwestern's defense is, but they're not going to be able to live like that for the rest of the season, not with Wisconsin, Penn State, and Michigan left. That, that's just something that's not sustainable. So I, I would like to see them be a little bit more efficient. And it would be more concerning that the run game hasn't gotten off to a great start the last two games if Day and the staff hadn't shown that almost every single game they will adjust, they will get the run game going. And more often than not, the last two weeks, we've seen it get going with a 60-plus yard J.K. Dobbins run. So that's just me flapping my gums and, and just finding something to nitpick about. But it's something worth watching next week because I think Wisconsin is almost as good as this Northwestern defense. And and I just don't think that they can continue to put themselves in a position where they need to get third and nine and you have Justin Fields back for four or five seconds trying to figure out what to do and playing backyard ball. I don't think that that's a position they want to live with. But other than that, y'all, I'm feeling pretty damn good. And I know if I'm feeling pretty damn good, then all of you are probably feeling excellent about what happened tonight. And I want to get your thoughts. So that's why we're going to head over to at Holy Land Pod right now and check the mentions to see what uh, what you guys responded with and how you're feeling after tonight's win. We got a lot of uh, regular listeners here, so I'm, a, I'm excited to hear 
what uh, what you guys had to say. The first one is from longtime listener Eddie, who says, "How good is next year's anything you can do? I can do better competition between Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson going to be? It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Those two guys are are just special in, in different ways. And uh, without Austin Mack, without Benjamin Victor, without KJ Hill." It's going to be another year of like, oh man, Ohio State's losing a lot of production from the receiver group. And then you have those two. And then you also have a guy that the whole country really doesn't know about, but we know about in Jamison Williams. Paired with Justin Fields again in, in his second season, that's going to be a really special group. That That's going to be a lot of fun. And all of those guys, like I said, do different things. Chris Olave is a different receiver from Garrett Wilson, who's a different receiver from Williams. So the the way that they get used, I think, is even going to be so much different in, in 2020. And you know Ryan Day has to just like, he's not obviously not looking at it now or thinking about it, but when that time comes to figuring out what they want to do with those top three guys, that that's just going to be a lot of fun. The passing game is in great hands going forward. And Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson just add a whole other dimension to what the passing game can do. Larry Hacker echoes some sentiments that I had earlier of just, this team plays loose. That's It's so obvious that this team plays loose, and they referenced it on the broadcast. And I keep going back to that because if it's obvious to them, then it should be obvious to everybody because they have a more up-close look than, than we do and get to talk to the players and get to talk to these coaches. And when you hear the broadcasters saying like, you know, this we know how great Ohio State's been recently, but they, they look even better now, and they they just look different. They, they look loose. They look like they're having fun. To me, that really counts for something. That That's something that I think has been missing from the program as a whole for the last couple of years, and Ryan Day is, has brought it back, and I think that it's taken this team to the next level. And if we really want to take it to the next level on that subject – I tweeted out after the game that it's just it's obviously fun for us to watch, but it's got to be great for these players to finally come into games like this one without having the mentality that everything is a grind. And our boy washed up tweeter uh, sent back on a quote tweet that the pu- the players won't publicly say it, but they probably saw Meyer stepping down and Day getting the job as a breath of exciting fresh air. There's at least one, I think, bit of truth to that that we at least know for sure and and Zach Harrison coming on he he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna join Ohio State if Meyer was still here so I think I think that's one thing but I also think that that can be said for a lot of the players and that that doesn't have to mean that like Urban Meyer was a bad guy or you know he's a terrible coach and they they weren't gonna win with him but it can mean like hey the players just needed something else they they needed to get out of this grind mentality and they needed to hear a different voice and maybe a little bit more of an upbeat voice and something that's a little bit more loose and i think that that's that's obvious to see right now and and they're they're playing at this level in part because of that in my opinion uh getting to more questions and other stuff here our friend Jake Halcom says short answer Good, as in that's how he feels about the team right now, and he is very excited to see what happens next week. Whew, that That's a big one. That is a really big one against Wisconsin. It's going to be a lot of fun to preview that game, and, and I think it's going to be close. Uh, it's not going to be like this, that's, that's for sure. 
but this is I keep saying like oh defenses will be a test for Ohio State and teams will be a test for Ohio State and you know maybe I'm just an idiot maybe they're gonna blow everyone out this season and just completely roll to a national championship but I think that next week is gonna be a great environment at the shoe against a very good team that can do certain things to exploit areas where Ohio State isn't necessarily at its best right now. So we still got a long way to get to that, but I can't wait for it. And uh, wait wait for that preview on Wednesday with, uh, with somebody from Bucky's Fifth Quarter over at our sister site, Wisconsin's SB Nation blog. That'll be a lot of fun. And then last one from our boy Eddie. He's gonna he's bookending the show. Started with the first one. He's gonna get the last comment here as well. Uh, he wants to talk about Master Teague's touchdown run. He says Teague is huge and fast. That's more of a comment. But Daywan Jones' celebration was almost as good as the team's after Hobbyel's field goal. Yeah, <laughs> both the celebration was great. I love watching Daywan Jones, just this mammoth human being run down the field like that and he just he didn't really bulldoze the guy on the block but he got out of his stance and he just pushed his ass right out of the way created that crease for master teague and i'm telling y'all master teague right now i don't have the numbers right in front of me i wish i was less lazy at 11 16 mountain time to to crunch them but he he's not going to get as many garbage time carries here in this later part of the season just because they're they're playing better opponents but with postseason factored into that if he stays healthy master teague's gonna get close to like a thousand yards rushing and nobody's ever like people that don't watch ohio state are just gonna be like who the hell is this guy like we know who jk dobbins is why why does this master teague have a thousand fifty rushing yards like what did he do and and that's something where it just goes to show that uh, even if he, he has gotten some serious playing time carries or I guess like non-garbage time carries is, is what I'm going for here. But he uh, the moments he has been given, he's stepped up and this is just uh, another version of that. And I, I think that there was a little bit of worry that like, oh, Master Teague is just a, he's a one-cut guy. He doesn't have a lot of wiggle. And I think that that's true. But if that's what his strengths are, is just that one cut and I'm going to burn your ass for 70 right at the middle of the field, I'm okay with that. I, I think that that's pretty good. And we talked about the receiving core having, uh, being in good hands with, with the future there. I think the running back group is in pretty good hands too. We haven't seen a ton of Marcus Crowley, but uh, that that combination of Teague and Crowley next season and, and a couple seasons beyond that is very exciting and is going to be fun to watch. Master Teague is just, he's a physical specimen. That is, that is the best uh, way to put it. And he is just one of those dudes that he looks like he is, he came straight from a tree. He's just built out of a big ass oak tree. He's hard to tackle. And when you have that type of speed, that adds up to a special running back. So uh, I'm, I'm all the way in on uh, Master Teague Hive. That's it for questions and comments tonight. Be sure to leave all of your thoughts at Holy Land Pod. Um, please, guys, if you listen to the show, I, I want to get you on here. I want to hear your voice more than I want to hear mine. Trust me, me having to try to come up with 40 minutes of stuff to talk about and not say the same thing over and over and over again, uh, it's tough. So if you want to leave your comments, leave a paragraph, leave me two pages of screenshots in the notes section of how you feel about Ohio State, I will be more than happy to read it here on the show. Anything to hear my opinions less, is uh, it's always good with me. 
on that note, I, I don't really think I have anything more to say about this game, other than it was just a, it was a hell of a time, and this team is in a, is in a great place right now. They are on the trajectory to doing something special. We'll, we'll see how special next week. That is a game that is uh, I, I'm really looking forward to because Wisconsin's a hell of a test. They always play Ohio State tough. They know how to attack them, and they just play so sound both offensively and defensively. And uh, the shoe should be rocking, man. That atmosphere is just going to be lit up. And this is the type of win that I think, in a weird way, can galvanize Ohio State. Not in a way that like they needed a kick in the ass and like, oh, this has us ready. But to come off a bye week on the road at Northwestern, who's 1-4, and four, you, you could be a little sluggish and, and know that Wisconsin is next on deck and just say, hey, we'll, we'll just gut this one out. We know, we know Northwestern can't score on us. We can, maybe we'll have a couple of big plays. We're way more talented than these guys. We'll, just, we'll get out with a win and you know m- move forward. We'll be ready for Wisconsin. No, they, they, just, they took it to Northwestern this whole game, and I think it goes to show the focus of this team, the drive of this team, and where they're at right now, where that mentality is that like, hey, they're, they're not taking anyone lightly, but at the same time, they're going to play their game, and they're not going to worry because they're very confident in what they do, and it'll be fun to see that on a very big stage next week against another team who I think has legitimate playoff uh, aspirations at this point. I, I don't know how you can't say that about Wisconsin. Whether you think they're good enough or not is one thing, but for them to be undefeated, for them to do what they did to Michigan, um, for them to clearly, I think, be the the class of the West right now, they, they're a team that has legitimate playoff hopes. And so this is this is one of those games where you're going to see, and quite honestly, this might be a preview of the Big Ten Championship. So this, this might be one that we see Ohio State play twice this year. So I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait to preview it on Wednesday. So keep an eye out for that episode dropping then. And also keep an eye out for I Got Five on it, my column at Land Grant Holy Land every Friday that drops. So if you enjoy the podcast, you enjoy my work, you can also find my writing at Land Grant and Holy Land there. I'm also on Twitter at Dubsco. The site, excuse me, the site is on Twitter at Land Grant 33. I'm sorry, I'm not going to edit that out. It's, it's too late and I just need to get this podcast out. But we're at Land Grant 33 as a site. We are online at LandGrantHolyLand.com. Uh, subscribe to the show, please, at on Apple or on Spotify. Uh, leave a review. Let me know what you think of the show and all of our shows here on the Land Grant Network. And when you follow along on Spotify, every new show we have, which is one every single day, is going to jump up into your little Spotify account thing. All you have to do is click download. Doesn't matter if you're premium or not. You can listen to the show and follow along with everything we do here at Land Grant Holy Land. Uh, and please send us some feedback. Let us know what we can do to make these shows better because you guys are the important ones. If, if you're liking our shows, then uh, we know we're doing a good job. That's a good place to wrap up. I want to get this to you guys as soon as possible and just stop rambling. So that's it for me tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I hope you guys enjoy a full Saturday of college football. I know I'm getting up super early in the morning and I'm going to have some Coors Light and Bush Light and baby, I can't wait to see what happens in college football. And particularly, I can't wait to see what happens in that Penn State-Michigan game. But until Wednesday when we preview Wisconsin, I hope you guys have a wonderful one. My name is Colton Denning. 
This is the Hangout in the Holy Land, and go Bucks.